Hello, sire. I'm looking for thy Sith talkers. Well, they're in the back, over there, just around the corner. Um, just forewarning, no Padawans allowed. Um, sometimes these guys are very nice, and sometimes they tend to get a little bit mean, so no Padawans around. Right over there. Right over... You, you, you expect me to walk through all that riffraff? Yes, it's a cantina, my friend. <sighs> cantina not. Fine, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is the long-awaited underwhelming episode, just kidding, of Sith Talk, uh, the show where we uh, aren't afraid to talk the Sith. Uh, I am your host, Zach Chrisman, and with me is Brandon. Brandon, how you doing? I am great. I am great. Have you seen, uh, have you ever watched Teen Titans? Uh, yes. Okay, have you, did you see the one where Robin said, like, you can be underwhelmed, you can be overwhelmed. Why can't you just be whelmed? I remember that phrase. I don't yeah. know if I've, I've, I've probably seen it, but I, I remember that phrase. We definitely need to just whelm people. That's what we're going to do here today, guys. We're going to whelm you. Well, in fun fact, Whelm is actually a uh, very badass sword in D&D. See? There so you go. So you can still be just whelmed and be awesome. <laughs> and we are going to try to do that for sure. Absolutely. But to start the top, uh, start at the top, uh, it's been a while since I've been on anything. Life has been absolutely crazy and I've been handling it very, very well. I'm actually pretty surprised, but... It, it, it has been crazy, and I missed my Star Wars family so much. So if you are wondering what's going on with Sith Talk, well, we've just been super busy, and I can't, I can't help it. But Brandon, how have you been? How's everything going? I'm, I'm surviving, man. Getting stuff ready for the uh, fundraiser at the end of the year. It's, I was like, oh, I'm getting stuff ready in October this year. This is so fantastic. Look at me go. And then next thing I know, it's November. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got so many things to do. So uh, that'll be coming out soon um, and more information on on that. But other than that, man, I am uh, I'm catching up on a lot of stuff. I've fallen behind on my content. I'm, I'm working on Ronin. I'm on the last part of Tempest Runner right now. Uh, I have the new, like, God, 7,000 page Thrawn book sitting on my nightstand uh, I, I will say that I am hoping to be whelmed at best at, by that um, and then just kind of uh, finishing up some shows that I'm watching so I can get back into to doing some rewatches I want to do a rewatch of Mandalorian before Book of Boba Fett comes out which we're going to talk about in just a little bit and uh, I want to go back and revisit The Bad Batch Clone War Season 7 like oof how are you liking Ronan? Because I haven't started it yet, and I it, I know it's like it's probably my style of book. I've just it's one of those things where it's been sitting in my Audible for a while, and I just haven't pulled the punch yet. So I was about a hundred pages into it, and I realized I didn't really know what was going on. And that's not the fault of the author; that's the fault of me as the reader. Um, I wasn't. It, it, life has been stressful to say the least. And uh, I just wasn't really paying attention while I was reading and I, I was getting distracted and everything. And so I, I felt like I don't really feel like I have a grasp of the story and what's going on. So I've gone back and, and about 
60 pages and, and started from there again. And I, I mean, I like it. Um, I, I don't want to say, you know, a final verdict on it, obviously, because uh, I'm nowhere near the end and there's still a lot of setup. Uh, but I find the characters engaging. Um, you can't read it as a Star Wars book. That's the big thing, which is kind of hard to wrap my head around when I pretty much only read Star Wars. And so I'm reading it and I'm hearing Jedi, I'm hearing Sith, I'm hearing Empire, but they don't mean the same thing as they mean in our version Contest. of a Star Wars. Yeah. So it's a little weird uh, in that sense, and I think maybe that might be one of the reasons I had some trouble um as I was reading it. Uh, but, I mean, the, the writing, the prose is absolutely fantastic. I know Drew will literally not shut up about it. I know the second he listens to this, he's going to be like, what did you go back 50 pages for? Now you're just going to have to wait longer to talk to me. Well, sorry, Drew. You're young. You'll get over it. Or at least you'll get over it. And uh, so I, I, I'm enjoying it. I really am. Um, I think the writing is great. I don't know if I would want any more of these types of stories necessarily. I like the kind of the legends, uh, like Legends of Luke Skywalker and the myths and fables kind of books that we've had. If we're going to do something that is an alternate kind of universe kind of thing, um, because those stayed grounded in the Star Wars that we know and the, the things that we know stayed the same, um, but the, the stories were maybe a myth or, or legend or something like that. But the Sith were still the Sith. The Jedi were still the Jedi. You had that context. And this one, at least unto the point that I am at, doesn't give you a lot of that context um, as you're reading it. But it's, it's definitely something that I am excited to get through and, and see how it all comes to a head because I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those pulp fiction kind of books where you're like what what are we doing here for a while and then next thing you know everything comes together uh, in a way that's really satisfying how did you feel about uh, visions mostly good uh, there were the episodes I didn't like, the Tatooine Rhapsody, the T.O.B. one. Uh, I very adamantly didn't like those. Village Bride, I think, is one of the best pieces of Star Wars content, uh, full stop. Um, and then the rest were kind of, you know, they were, they were middle range. Everybody's freaking out over Ninth Jedi. I wasn't super crazy about that. Oh, dude. Like That, I, that one's awesome. I, I love that one. Yeah, and I get why people love it, but I just felt like... It was redefining the lore a little bit too much for for my taste. Um, I mean, it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed the Ninth Jedi a lot, obviously because it felt much more like the Old Republic. Um, I would say if if there were any one of them that I would pick shows out of, I I would probably want it to be that world. Which is, I mean, dude, it's no surprise for me. But I want to know your opinion on this because. I haven't talked to anybody about Visions. Again, off-grid. Guys, we are going to talk about Star Wars today. It's going to be fun. Um, anyway, I watched most of these by myself, and then I had a buddy come over and watch them with me again. There was particularly one that I thought was super awesome by myself, and then when I watched it with my buddy, I realized that I thought it was terrible. And that was the twins. I didn't like the twins one at all the second I time around. I didn't even like it the first time around. 
Not gonna lie. I thought it was super tropey, and like there, there was just like so many like. I get the anime is anime, but there were so many holes in that that I just I could not look past how how they were literally like completely ripping the story, but flipping it to there was too many flips, but it was still the same, but it wasn't at all. And then they were taking some of the like I don't expect space rules to really be as concrete, but like the whole fight outside with no masks with space with major large lightsabers that can cut it, it was just it was the the level of suspension of disbelief is is astronomical um and like i'm saying this as someone who like grew up absolutely loving professional wrestling like i am into you know star wars and everything like Reality, I can suspend my my disbelief to to a pretty uh, decent uh, amount, but yeah, like, and and then you have the you're you're outside in space, then you take your mask off and you can still somehow function, and you can go through hyperspace on top of a ship. Like it, it was too much. It looked gorgeous, but it was too much. Yeah, it was just it. It was that's the best way to put it. It was too much. Um, it it was beautiful. And I really like the character designs. If we were going to get a an anime show, I would want it in that kind of art style. That's that would be my preferred uh, compared to even compared to Village Bride and and Ninth Jedi. Like I think those are good, but I prefer I like that pop color kind of look to it. But it did go just way overboard as far as and. and I've said before, you know, I like more of the subtle Star Wars. I like the more intimate stuff. So the big battle scenes and stuff like that have never been my favorite part of the story anyways. And so maybe that's part of why I didn't quite um, love it as much. But I do think they missed a really big opportunity in, um, you know, setting up these twins of the dark side and what, you know, is, is clearly a an analogy for Luke and Leia and to really explore their personalities and their motivations and their character development. And instead, you get this really big fight, and then for some reason he still believes that there's good in her, Um, which, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's Star Wars and there's good in them and all of that stuff, but by that point, I so didn't care about the characters and just wanted it to end that even my belief in the characters was was minimal at best so note i'm gonna write this down on pen and paper brandon prefers anakin staring at padme and attack of the clones for half the movie rather than fighting correct yeah. <laughs> oh no that's just that is 120 percent correct uh, uh, i'm just kidding uh but uh the the thing is though i i will say there are some things that i didn't like up in the Star Wars vision as visions as a collection but I'm glad all of them made it because I don't think this whole thing was supposed to take chances and you you win some and you lose some and I'm totally okay with losing some as long as I'm winning some like the duel or the bride mm, yeah. or the village bride um, the ninth Jedi and you know what I'll, I'll be I'll be honest um, I don't know why I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I thought Tatooine Rhapsody was so freaking charming that even I had to enjoy it. Like, I was smiling the entire time. It was so stupid. 
but I've watched it three times now and it is so charming and I'm I'm glad that we have it I would not want that in continuity but I'm glad that it exists and you only you only get this wild stuff if you aren't afraid to win some and lose some and I, I just I, I'm enjo- I enjoyed the series a lot for the uh, for the advantages it took and I've always said that Star Wars belongs trying to do anime and I think it's great that they're testing it out surely the lost stars um, anime looks amazing yeah I mean I've said it I've said a hundred times you know that I want to not like some of Star Wars because if I don't like some of it it's because they're taking risks and when you take risks there's you're gonna go in directions that some people like and some people don't and and most people that I've talked to and and especially the target demo that they were going for the the people who already were into anime really like this stuff um i think me being lukewarm on it overall is is kind of i mean i think i'm kind of in the minority i think most people really enjoyed the nine episodes as as a whole um but for me the the highs were really high you know with village bride and the duel and all of that stuff and i think I honestly think the the biggest mistake they made was not not any of the episodes in particular. It was putting the duel first. I really think that that they set up this very nitty gritty black and white uh, simple version of storytelling where the stakes were were high. Uh, you understood the characters. You understood the story. Like it was to me, it's other than the village bride it's the crispest cleanest episode it has the best storytelling it has the best animation it has the best dialogue it just hits on all cylinders and so you go from that to some of the other ones you you know for me Tatooine Rhapsody is is not even close to my jam um and I I did intend to make a pun there uh so I think maybe if you had started with something like it's really weird to me that you started with the duel and ended with, uh, I think it's Akukira. I'm probably yeah. saying that wrong. It's just like such a different dynamic there. And I don't really understand why you would end it on such a, a sad note. Like, that's one thing. Visions was not very uplifting. Like, most of the, the stories ended pretty sadly. They did, but I mean, I think... You know, and I'm not an anime expert. Surely I've watched anime. There are certain shows that I get into. But I do not crave anime. I I know enough about it. And a lot of the tropes are, you know, very goofy highs and very depressing lows. So I think when you have one episode to do things, I think a lot of these artists tend to, to go with tragedy because they're going to win the heart of the audience, especially if they only have 20 minutes in. I think heart was better than comedy. But it's also why I respect the people that went for the comedy. That being said, you know, a village bride, the village bride is a very original story that I wasn't expecting at all. So I can say that they even played with some of the rules pretty originally. So, I mean, I'm, I'm overall happy. I'm even happy with the ones that I didn't like. And there were a considerable amount that I didn't like. I would say I probably, probably would put a thumbs down on four of them. 
I mean, he, here's the thing. Again, like, I'm not an anime person. I'm not an anime fan. I love animation, but I've just... I, Avatar is the, the only anime I've ever gotten into, and... Like, that's the, like, softest of animes you could possibly um, get into. So I definitely wasn't the target demo for this. It was fun to watch once through. Maybe years from now, I may go toss on a couple other ones. But other than that, I'm probably just going to forget most of it. Uh, uh, most of it happened, not because I, I want to block it from my memory, but just because there's so much Star Wars content coming out that, you know, it, it's not in the egregious category for me. Like, uh, the, the, the Thrawn books are, are hitting that uh, pretty hard for me, but um, it's also not, it's not a Bad Batch, it's not a, a Clone Wars. Um, you really liked Bad Batch, didn't you? Dude, so, so much. Oh, I love it. I love it. It was good. I mean, yeah, I I'm, wrote I'm thousands of words. Bad Batch. I'm pretty iffy on Bad Batch, and I'm not. It's not because it's not good. I think just for me, I'm a little tired of the timeline. That's, That's fair. All. That's fair. No, I, I think definitely. Um, I, I think after like Bad Batch is done, I think they should be kind of done in that time period for sure. Like I think they've played it. I think that they have done a good job in this one of keeping it intimate enough where you understand the galactic stakes but they're not playing into things as much it's very much about the characters and stuff like that um so i think a lot of it's going to depend on what they do the next couple seasons with it because if we get another story that kind of goes the same direction as rebels which for anybody who's not familiar is my favorite star wars other than Return of the Jedi, completely full stop. Um, but they got really into how the the development of the Re uh, Rebel Alliance and all of those things. I don't think Bad Batch should go that route. So hopefully they're not going that route. You, we've had little hints, you know, like Rex talking about, you know, still fighting for what he believes in and different things like that. And maybe we end it with them joining the Rebellion or something of that, and that's fine. But I don't really want a, a full another complete story of here's these band of, of characters that are a little family and then they help start the rebellion because that would just be a little bit of a repeat which would be a letdown because i think season one was was pretty original uh as far as as you compare it to things like clone wars and rebels and, and even resistance like yeah it had the the same themes and ideas and stuff like that but how they told it and uh the approach to storytelling and stuff to me was was pretty enjoyable and unique awesome so let's just not beat around the bush shall i say um or should you say uh beat around the book Ooh, i like that so to start off the top there was a little bit of a uh trailer that came out this week called um the book of boba fett and you know, for those who, I mean, you guys already really kind of know, but one of the things about the Book of Boba Fett is that it was announced pretty surprisingly and kept pretty tight under wraps for the day and age of Hollywood, where we know everything that's coming out two years before it ever comes out. They tend to have kept this a little bit secret. Now, fans were kind of confused for a while. Is this coming out before Mandalorian? Is this, um, is this coming out after? Is Mandalorian happening this year? Are we getting both? What's going on? And due to 
a lot of different factors going on with the Mandalorian. This just so happens to have started shooting before the Mandalorian, and it's coming out in December. Now, at the very beginning, when I found out about the Book of Boba Fett, I was very excited because of what the Mandalorian has done. Gun to my head, though, picking Mandalorian Season 3 or a Boba Fett miniseries, probably Mandalorian Season 3 is going to win. I mean, it's going to win all day for me. I'm not saying that this trailer changes anything about that because I think the Mandalorian just has too many stakes that are lying ahead of the show but I have to say that this trailer it completely went a different way than I thought it would be for a first trailer I thought that we were going to get a shot by shot ripoff of John Wick and we ended up getting a very mob underground trailer that was very surprising. Brandon, what did you think of the Mandalore or the Book of Boba Fett trailer? I I enjoyed it a lot. And and I wanna go back real quick to something that you were saying about um you know, wanting Mandalorian season three more than the Book of Boba Fett. Because I think that I think that that could be a, a general overall statement for the fandom, even the people who are huge Boba Fett stands that, you know, Mandalorian season three, because we have so much background with the characters. So I think this is an important part of the conversation to have before we even talk about the, the Book of Boba Fett is where we stood with Boba Fett before all of this stuff happens, right? Because we both, for Mandalorian, we're both in all the way on both seasons, love them, uh, love the characters, love the development, all of that stuff. For me, Boba Fett was always just like, um, meh, he was in the, he looks really cool, but I don't really care about him camp. Where was he for you? Um, He was exactly in that camp, you know, being somebody that loves the, Old Republic and the Jedi get a lot of flack for wanting cool lightsaber fights, and that's what I'm into. Um, so how could I not love Boba Fett? But I was in long with the lines with all of, you know other people of that. His armor looks awesome, but if you look at what he does in the actual original trilogy, he's really just a toy to be sold. And they kind of crafted this you know mysterious lore around him, which helped sell toys i didn't find him interesting at all and when they had talked about doing a boba fett movie i was nervous because i never wanted to see like what does boba fett with his helmet off look like like what is that movie are we just gonna watch him go to his apartment take his helmet off maybe sit down watch some tv like the appeal is the mystery so i was never really a big fan of boba fett it just so happened that the way that they did this and they shot him in the Mandalorian, it turned out so well and they started with his without his outfits on, which is what sold it being okay for it to be off. Because you started seeing him without his gear and he had to work his way to the gear. I thought that the way the Mandalorian crafted this Boba Fett character and creating uh, depth to him. Um, The fact that they very quickly eliminated this whole he can't take his helmet off type of attitude so quickly was masterfully done. 
which made me super excited for the book of Boba Fett. Um, so that's where I was at. I'm ranting, but I, I think there's a lot of key components. No, I think that I think that's an important factor because I'm, I'm kind of with you where, uh, you know, Boba Fett to me, like he wasn't really much. And then you get the season two of Mandalorian. And it's like, oh, my God, like this is the Boba Fett that I feel like people have been talking about forever. That's the guy that is is cool and uh, you know is a gunslinger and can you know best fighter in the galaxy, most dangerous bounty hunter, all that good stuff, right? And then we get to the trailer, and they they double down on that really, you know, uh, like it literally says every galaxy has an underworld, which if. If that doesn't, you know, give us a hint of this is going to be that underworld show that people have been looking for, then I don't know what it is. I don't think it's going to be as dark as people, um, you know, I don't think we're ever getting R-rated Star Wars. I just don't think that's a thing that needs to or will exist. Uh, but definitely this is going to be a solid PG-13. Um, there's going to be action, violence, there's going to be mis- uh, mystery, intrigue, all of that stuff. And I like how they're setting up Boba Fett um, really kind of creating this new identity you know which is interesting for a character who has had he's had different identities right he was he was the son then he was you know a, a clone looking for revenge then he was a you know bounty hunter and now he's not a bounty hunter you know uh, but he's trying to run Tatooine here's here's one thing here's one thing that, that bothers me why are we fighting for Tatooine like you got all these planets around here, you know, and, and and we're fighting for for sand. Yeah, I I I really can't honestly. I mean, I I think that's probably some of the intrigue that the show is trying to <laughs> hopefully to, get to. I you know, but also I mean, technically the huts had lived there for a while. Yeah, so that's I mean, true. It's it's you know, it's maybe moisture farm is maybe or maybe moisture is like a huge commodity or maybe the fact that you know where my brain goes is since it's a shithole nobody wants to be there they can get away with a lot of regulation you know because nobody really wants to be there and even now with the you know um new republic being kind of under wraps you're not seeing a whole lot of new republic troops in there they're not that's not their first place i don't care if luke skywalker came from there or not and really when you even look at Tatooine. I mean, not that we've seen much, but every time we see it, it doesn't look like it's changed at all. It almost still seems like a planet that's always forgotten, which means these underworlds can, you know, essentially make their safe haven there. And even if not, it's the legend of Tatooine. The huts lived there forever. It's kind of the the stomping ground, you know? Yeah, it's just kind of it, it. Like you said, it's a shithole, and I'm just like, why are we uh, of all the planets you could go fight for? But no, it does. It definitely you know has that reputation. It definitely has that Wild West feel, um, which I think we is something that we can really look forward to. I think Solo got close to really that full on Western feel, um, and then this is going to take it much more in a uh, more dangerous direction if you will i'm excited to see the fact that boba fett and fennec shand are were in pretty much every shot together 
you know, um, it, it seems like they're really going to be a team and this isn't going to be the Boba Fett show. And, oh, yeah, Fennec Shan makes an appearance every now and then. You know, um, it's going to really be them working together as a team. And I'm interested to see what their history is, what their motivation for working together is. Like, it makes sense to me that Boba would go back to Tatooine, uh, you know, taking over Jabba's institution and, and kind of uh, stealing the the groundwork that he had laid. But what what's Fennec doing there? Why is she going along with him? Why is she loyal to Boba? It seems like, you know. Um, that they're they're in the trenches together and, and taking this big risk together to try to run this planet. Um, so I'm, I'm very intrigued. And, and really, like, you got the actors to do it, man. Like, Ming-Na Wen and, and Tamara Morrison are, like, they're, they're good at what they do. <laughs> like, I, I think that's an understatement, but they're good at what they do. And but so, I don't think I realized how awesome Tamara was because while I like Tamora in the prequels and I've seen him in other things and he's always been great you can tell he gives it his all I thought he was uh, very charming in Aquaman um, actually quite surprising on that but it's to me half the reason why Boba Fett works now is one because of Dave Filoni and John Favreau's beautiful writing and very carefully crafted entrance of the character that that was huge in its own but when you hear Tamora talk in the making of the Mandalorian you find out that like that gaffy stick and his fighting style and the way he moves is very much Tamora there like he he basically said if you're gonna sign me on to do this I'm gonna make sure nobody else can take my place and he's so right because it's funny I've only had Boba Fett I think in like three episodes maybe four and I can already tell you even by looking at this trailer Tamora is Boba Fett um just the way he acts and his style and bringing his own culture in this is uh, uplifting fascinating and it adds so much character to the actual character because when you have someone like Boba Fett who's behind a mask the fact that you can unveil that mask and have a personality that doesn't take away and the difference in style when Boba Fett has full armor he is a gunslinging John Wick badass murderer but when he doesn't have his armor or he's not fully rigged up or he has a melee weapon he moves like a performer I mean he quite moves his weapons like what I would consider in the Old Republic the Achani Handmaidens. Very agile, sleek, swift. There's a bluntness to the movement, yet a sexiness to it if, that, if that makes any kind of sense at all. And I think that's so groundbreaking to this type of show. Well, and it's important, too, to note, you know, you talked about him bringing in his culture and stuff like that that's why the representation stuff is so important because we need to bring in these different cultures and these different ideas because they add to the story they you know they add flavor to it the the individuals bringing their history in is i mean it's it's the same thing you know like when they not the same thing but when they brought ray park in right they brought him in because he was a martial artist and he could add that and he could give a realistic grounding to uh to 
the lightsaber duels of the prequels, right? And they took advantage of his skill set that had come from the culture and, and way that he was raised, right? He grew up doing martial arts. Tamir grew up around all this stuff that he's bringing in here. He grew up around, you know, the melee weapons and the different, uh, you know, um, I can't remember exactly what the martial arts form that he spoke about in the the, the uh, behind the scenes was. But if you're familiar with Capoeira, it's like a game dance type martial arts, right? Um, he's bringing all those things in, all that culture in. And so it's influencing his performance because they're letting him do that. And it's adding depth to the character that you don't even have to worry about writing on the page, right? It just comes naturally in the way that his body moves and the way that he understands um, how to present this character and stuff like that. So it's important to, to note, you know, like you said there, that he's bringing in this stuff from his history and from his culture, and that is enhancing the story. Yeah, and one of, one of the things to, like, kind of jump off of that, though, and, and move away from Boba Fett, because I think uh, you've so beautifully, you know, crafted what I'm thinking, and I think I've added to that, um, and I, I think we're both in agreement, and I'm definitely the person that you want to sell on a Boba Fett show, and I, I am sold. What I'm actually excited about, and I, I've heard rumors that this is mostly going to be on Tatooine, Tatooine, mostly. And for once, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, like, seeing that shot of the ship flying off in the center and a city in the background, but then a sinkhole where more city is, that's very original and very beautiful uh, as far as cinematic shots go. And I'm excited to feel like... I live in Tatooine because we visit Tatooine. Tatooine is very much an integral part of Star Wars. But with a show and being spending time there, you're really going to feel like you were in Tatooine or like you've been to Tatooine. And I'm very excited to feel that because Tatooine is a character in itself at this point. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, You're not as sold as me on that, I can tell. No, it's... I get worried about overplaying your hand with Tatooine, right? When when Luke says it's, you know, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're in the planet that's farthest from. Like, that's establishing that Tatooine is nowhere, right? And sure, nobody's from nowhere, but Tatooine is pretty much nowhere. And so I think you do have some importance in the, in the galactic scale because of the huts and everything like that. Um, I think it's going to be a matter of really how they do it, right? Are they, are they doing it because they want to keep it a local story and they want to keep it an intimate story and Tatooine is just the place that it makes the most sense for it to happen or are they doing it because it's on Tatooine and Tatooine's going to get eyeballs on the TV screens? I am very excited about... Well, also, you know, the, the business side of me, I can't help but turn it off. Um, but it also... I, I was just thinking about this because this is on Tatooine and Obi-Wan's on Tatooine. What accountant was in the pitching and was like, you know, Kathleen, you know, the fans have been wanting an Obi-Wan show and the fans have been wanting a, a Boba Fett show. 
why don't we just shoot them both on Tatooine and get two shows for the price of one? Pretty much, man. I can't help but think that. I just realized that. Like, just seeing the shot, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. I'm going to be excited for two shows on Tatooine, apparently. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like, what they did with Tatooine and the Mandalorian, I, I really enjoyed. Um, I, I don't necessarily want other things that are like the the sign language with the Tusken Raiders. Um, I think it's, you know, having the sign language in there and everything, that's fine. That didn't, that didn't I think that added to the story and stuff like that, but it felt gimmicky. It felt like they were putting it in there because, like, haha! Remember these guys were monsters? No, they really do sign language, so that means they're sweet. Ha ha! Look at us making a joke, and Hello. right. And I want those things in our stories and everything like that. I want, I want that representation and everything. But I think uh, it was a little too like nudge, nudge, wink, wink in a story that was very much not that. It was very crisp and very. Um, you you got immersed in the story instead of the story getting immersed in itself and that's the one trepidation i have about uh, about this is i i want this 99% of the way i want boba fett and fennec shan to be the only characters that we really know before like i don't want a whole bunch of we're going to get references to jabba and other things of course but I don't want like, hey, remember that guy who was in the background of, of Return of the Jedi? Like now he's super important because he was actually a commander in Jabba's. Like I don't want all that. I want a, a new, fresh story. Because if we continue to, just like you were saying about about the you know Order sixty six Dark Times era, getting a little stagnant and, and overplayed. If we overplay Tatooine and we overplay bringing in these characters like Mandalorian's already done a good bit of that and I think they did it effectively but if we have another show that's doing that like we're getting Ahsoka Ahsoka's already bringing in characters right we're getting Obi-Wan Obi-Wan's bringing in characters at some point I want a story that I could show to a non-Star Wars fan and be like hey check this out you don't have to have any background knowledge and that's very much what mandalorian season one was um and that, and that brought in a lot of people so i'm hoping book of boba fett will be something similar where you get that name recognition of boba fett to get eyeballs on the tv screen and then they they bring in these new characters they do um unique things and they don't depend so much on the the prior stories that we've had you know I, I swear it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. I'm excited for, um, I'm excited for Boba Fett and Tatooine and getting to learn a little bit more Tatooine. I, I mean that when I'm saying that, because of what the story implies. But I'm also kind of, I'm not saying that I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on this as far as like the majority of what fans want. And I know, like, for TV shows, there's not really a plausible way to do this, but I think just in general, I wish at least, like, one or two planets in the newer Star Wars felt a little bit more prequel era-ish. Mm. Like, I wish some of them... It, it's starting to feel a little, like, okay, we go to a sand planet, then we go to a forest planet. Well, okay, that's cool. Uh, let's occasionally throw in a frost planet. So... I, I don't know. I think variants in general and just seeing a lot of... I think we've had a lot of sand planets in the story. And Mandalorian hasn't sure hasn't veered away from that. And they're all a different name. And they're all a different 
You know, we're, we don't even get, like, red sand or something. Like, at the very least, The Last Jedi with the, like, red sea salt sand. That was very um, cool, yet still practical. And I, I just visually... It'd be nice to see something else a little bit different. Now, my question is, and this is moving a little bit away from Boba Fett, but how much more can you really get into Boba Fett? I mean, you can. We could talk all day about it. Do you think Kenobi will be mostly on Tatooine? Or do you think it's going to be a off-Tatooine adventure? What I think and what I want are two different things here. What I think okay. is going to happen is I think he's going to have to leave. And, and this is going to be that last real Jedi mission of his that's going to lead to... Because I, I'm taking for granted that the... the rematch of the century is going to actually happen and when i say actually happen i mean it's not going to be a vision it's not going to be um you know an across the galaxy kind of thing like and we had in rise want. of skywalker right mm-hmm. did we talk about that i think we argued argued about that at one point i don't really want that i i, I really honestly would have rathered vader not be in the series at all but i'm also hoping that i eat my words with that Um, i think you i hope you do i hope you do because i I want it i want it baby i hope i hope i do too i really do this is (laughs) one that i really want to be wrong on um i I really try not to speculate too much because it gives you you know preconceived notions going in but every reality that i've played out that i could think of i just don't necessarily like the end of it's going to look really cool regardless and i'm going to be into it when it's happening but I just I worry about how it's going to affect the the larger scheme of things, and that kind of goes with with my fear of the Kenobi show as a whole. Is if we're getting him off planet, how is he also protecting Luke, um, not getting caught in the galaxy, all of this other stuff? And if he did it this one time, why isn't he doing it the other times? People are in need, and I, maybe I, he realizes maybe this is the story that makes him realize. No, I need to stop with my foolish ways and this is where i belong maybe this is the lesson he needs to learn and and that's totally possible to me he learned that lesson in revenge of the sith you know um and and i felt like that was pretty crisp and clear there and and i'm also a huge uh advocate's a weird word to say for it but i'm a i'm a huge advocate for jedi going into isolation for for years at a time and really having to reflect on their role and everything i think all of the great jedi that we've seen have had to do that you know uh, yoda had to uh, obi-wan had to luke had to even ahsoka had to so there's an overall fear that i have of okay we we don't need to tell every second of their lives like i like the idea and, and this could be just because it's what we've had for so long, but I like the idea that Obi-Wan spent 20 years reflecting and learning from Qui-Gon and, you know, really understanding what a Jedi needed to be and, and where he had gone wrong and all of those things. And so my biggest concern with the Kenobi show is we're going to end up going off planet because you can't have Vader come to Tatooine and then still not realize that Luke is there. Right. Um, right. So we have to go off of Tatooine, and to me, it's like, all right, how many questions can you not make me ask? That's my big thing. 
Like it has to be something that I'm invested in enough to be like, all right, cool. He can go off planet this one time. This makes sense for the overall story. It also clearly shows why he can't go off planet other times, all of that stuff. So I am not as excited about the Kenobi show as everybody else is. Just oh, be- that hurts. It, and it hurts me too. I want to be ex- as excited about it as everybody else, but it's the one thing that I have nothing but questions about that I can't come up with good answers for. Well, then maybe that sounds like a topic for another episode debating about this. A fun I mean, debate. A good debate. Absolutely. Like, I, this is one... Okay, this is like a... For, for long-time Clashing Sabres listeners, this is my Daniel Jose older of the TV shows, okay? I have been are, waiting and are waiting. You, are you serious? Yeah, I have been waiting and waiting for Daniel Jose older to come out with a book that I would enjoy so that I could really feel like, yes, this is... He took the risks. There was stuff I didn't like, but he, this one hit with me. And I was wrong about his contribution to, you know, and whether he fit into the Star Wars as I understood it. And that was one thing that I wanted to be wrong on. And I have stood by that, that I wanted to be wrong. I wanted him to come out with a book that I enjoyed that showed that he could hit the different facets of Star Wars. And he did that with Race to Crash Point Tower. Happily, happily ate Crow there. And I really want to be wrong about this show. I really, really do. See, I think this is, if I were to know, if I know everything I know right now about The Mandalorian in Season 3 and um, and the prequels, I would have traded all of that. And I still would trade everything I know about The Mandalorian right now for a chance at a Kenobi series. I would trade everything. I, I'm not, I, like, I've been wanting this for years because... I think more than anything, this man has lost everything, everyone he's ever been close to. And I want to, and this sounds pretty masochistic, but I'm kind of learning that I'm a little bit of a masochist. I go to massages, I like deep tissue, I slam barbells for fun. You know, I, I work my ass off before I, you know, enjoy things. I'm a little bit of a masochist, so I like to feel that, that torture um, when it comes to characters because I think it gives them such a depth and a reward. That's not a ne- necessity for me. But when I think of Obi-Wan, I want to walk in his shoes after everything that has happened. And that is one of the biggest things. Sell me on this and it's going to add so much depth to the sacrifice because it really just happens in Revenge of the Sith. And it's beautiful and you do see tragedy through Ewan McGregor's acting. But I want to walk in this man's shoes and I want to see him wake up in a Tatooine desert, look up at his little tiki concrete hut and just look at his eyes with the camera shooting on him saying, fuck, how did we get here? And see, I I want that too. I really do. And, And that's the version of the show that I would like. And well, let, let me rephrase that. That's the version of the show that I would want if I was I'm in not the, saying the writer's the whole room. show, but yeah. But see, I am. And I think at 10 episodes, we're guaranteed we're not going to have that. So that's I think why. We are, but how can we not? It's, it, no, we're going to have think, it, but we're not going to have it for 10 full episodes. I think we, we, we are going to have a man that is going to have a spark of hope. And at some point, he's going to go try and talk to Anakin again and bring it back. 
But my biggest thing is, regardless, I, if it's done right, everything is done has to be done right. We have no footage on the show. For all for all we know, it could be the biggest trash bomb in the world. Now, Deborah Deborah Chow is an amazing. I loved everything that she's done. They've taken their time with this show. Certainly. It's went through multiple rewrites in which she has said she's not doing any of it until it's perfect. They have an amazing cast, and they finally pulled the plug on it when it was right for them. So I think that they think they have a beautifully crafted show. But I think sometimes when it comes to Anakin, if it's written right, I think sometimes we have to put our hand on the stove twice to realize that it's really hot. And I think maybe that might be the story we get. And if it's done right, we might feel the hope that Obi-Wan has to bring Anakin back or to talk to him or to put this destiny, this shitty situation in his own hands. Only to be burned is going to hurt even worse, which is, you know, if we... I think at the end of the day, if we feel even more sorry for Obi-Wan at the beginning of New Hope, the show's done its job. And you can very much feel through Alec Guinness, there's more than just what he's saying. And there is good dialogue, the Clone Wars. Everybody was thinking about that. Your father, you know, was cut down by Darth Vader. We got that story. But in his eyes, there's hesitation to everything he says. And I want I want to to see what's behind, what is in that head a little bit more. I think where things kind of went sideways for me um, and really took this from a series that that I was really intrigued by to one that I'm I'm approaching with trepidation is having uh, Hayden Christensen in it. I, I really I struggle with going back and having you know these things. These, these literal tentpole moments that we, we've known in Star Wars forever, like the final duel in Revenge of the Sith, and that amazing moment, the, the I love you, I hate you moment, right? To me, that's a perfect ending to their relationship there at the end of the prequels. And, and so getting another one of those, it, it, to be able to be satisfying and not just satisfying like for that episode, but satisfying in the scale of this has to meet or exceed the level of emotion that you gave me at the end of Revenge of the Sith, which is gonna be really hard to do. That is where most of my concern has, has risen from, is all right, if it's all leading to this, because I feel like it's being sold as it's all leading to this, why? That's up for us to find out through the show, I guess. I mean, I, I guess. Because now, I can tell you right now whether or not Vader's involved, whatever, and your thoughts on that, that's fine. Uh, Hayden Christensen coming back. This is just a new ploy to add depth to characters like Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. I mean, he was announced for Ahsoka. I'm so excited for that, dude. We're going to get flashbacks, and, and, and maybe his role as Hayden Christensen himself is a couple flashbacks of the show, which is fine because the dude really hasn't aged that much. He doesn't look that much older with the level of effects that we can do. It's not going to be hard to make him seem that believable for uh, prequels. Um, but I think we're going to get a lot of flashbacks with him and you might get 
a very Lords of the Sith sitting in his tank uh, steaming, you know, and I think some of the mannerisms, which I think is, is perfect. I don't, I don't think he's going to hog the show. I think he's going to be used with respect, and I think if Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau are both in it, I think they're going to be using him as gracefully as they probably would be using him in Ahsoka. I don't think this is like a we're going to change everything you knew about Anakin Skywalker type of thing. I think it's going to be used tastefully in a way that makes sense and pays homage. I don't know. I'm I guess we're on both sides and that's that's fine. Our different sides. Well, that's yeah. And 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 I want to like add this on as a caveat of like the Disney era of Star Wars has done a great job of taking things I didn't think that I would be interested in at all and making me really enjoy them. Bad Batch is a testament to that. You know, um, there's been the books out there that I've really loved. Solo, uh, you know, I didn't expect to love as much as I did. And then there's been moments where they have reinformed or for for lack of a better term rewritten the histories that we thought we knew right with a new hope we thought the first time the death star shot something was alderaan right we thought that for 40 years and then you come to rogue one and they do these test shots and it works and you're able to recontextualize and go oh okay so that wasn't the first time that was the first time that they like blew up a whole planet got it and you keep going and it adds depth to the story that not only are the Imperials willing to blow up entire planets, they're willing to blow up parts of planets with their own people on them, and they're willing to destroy parts of gorgeous planets to basically kill one dude. It adds depth to it. And so if we get something like that, and I, and I think we, you're spot on that we have the people on board to be able to do that, if we get that kind of storytelling where I'm not spending hours on end trying to figure out how this really retells the story and instead it just adds very clear depth to it and and even masochistic tragedy to it um then then i'm here for it and i this is one if if i was betting i would bet against myself on this one because i i'm pretty sure i'm going to be wrong Um, because that's what dave filoni's made a career out of essentially taking what george lucas wrote and saying okay I'm going to add a little more context and even I'm going to change the rules because remember all of the Jedi were supposed to be gone except for the ones we saw in the original trilogy and then Rebels happens and creates these Jedi in which one of them spoiler alert is still out there somewhere Well, and so those and- rules don't really apply there so uh, there, there are some rules in the original trilogy from a certain point of view and Obi-Wan is a liar. And there are some implied rules that aren't in essentially completely factual that if well written, you're going to be like, okay, um, it, it, there's no way around it. But if it's done right, it's going to be an amazing story, which is what Rebels is. Rebels well, is that. And, and Maul, like Maul is Maul, a testament yes. to that, right? Like. That's the most asinine thing in the world to be like, yeah, we're going to bring out this guy that got cut in half and fell down a, 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 you know, bottomless seeming pit. And now I have tattoos that are all going to stay black and red in homage of Darth Maul, even though I'm, I don't have a Darth Maul one yet. But like I literally my Ahsoka tattoo is black and red because of Maul. So if that can work, 
I'm pretty sure they can figure out how to work Kenobi. But in my little peon of a brain, when I spiral thinking about about this and, and I go down into those dark pits that Maul fell into, I'm like, mm, I don't know how they're going to make it work. But they've done it before, and I'm sure they're going to do it again. Okay, guys. Um, that will do it for this episode of Sith Talk. Um, I promise you guys, we will not go this long without having another episode um we just get caught up we get a little bit busy um but i will be looking forward to picking up the reins and continuing this awesome journey that has been sith talk for a while now for i think three or four years and you know i think we're just now crossing just a little bit past the year with clashing saber yay yeah as always you can find us at sith talk under the Instagram page, Sith Talk. You can also find us talking more Star Wars with maybe Brandon, Lindsay, Mark, Drew, Adriana, and everyone else at the Clashing Sabers Instagram. We have plenty of shows on Clashing Sabers. As always, personally, you can find me at Sith Talker 25 talking all things Star Wars, comic books, working out, barbecue, and that's pretty much about it because I only like about six things. Um, Brandon... Put some plugs in there, buddy. Uh, yeah, everything will be in the show notes. Uh, just stay tuned to the network and to the Twitter feed um, for our fundraiser. Last year, we had some really cool things for you guys to win, and this year we have upped the ante quite a bit. So um, we'll be doing a raffle again this year with 100% of the proceeds going to uh, getting books into to classrooms across the country. So um, stay tuned for that and uh, stay subscribed. It, it's been, it, it's, it's kind of hit where in all of our lives, it's this weird <laughs> time of transition and time of change and high stress for like literally all of us across the board um, here at Clashing Sabers. So we're getting back into the flow of things. Things are starting to, the, the, the pedal's starting to, you know, get off the gas a little bit there. And uh, we've got some cool content for you guys coming out here uh, in the near future. So stay tuned there. And all the links you need are going to be in the show notes. With that being said, Brandon, may the force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple lovers. You're going to venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.